Welcome to iPad Pros, the show all about using your iPad to be productive and get work done. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. I've seen Tot used for all kinds of things. I have a friend of mine who's using it to track. He runs a weekly D&D game, and he uses one dot for all of his Dungeon Master stuff, and then he uses another dot to track hit points and thoughts and brainstorm ideas for future adventures. And You never know what people are going to use your tools to do. It's one of the things I love about developing. Welcome back to another episode of iPad Pros. I'm very excited to share this one with you. As you probably know, Apple announced the fourth generation iPad Pro with Magic Keyboard, and it's a pretty exciting announcement, as I'll get to in just a little bit here. And later on in this episode, we're joined by Ged Mayhew of the Icon Factory to discuss their new app, Tot. It's a great little scratch pad, little text companion app for iOS and Mac, and we'll be diving to that in the later part of this episode. But to begin, I just want to talk a little bit about this fourth generation iPad Pro with Magic Keyboard, and let's dive into it. As many of you know, I'm currently on second generation iPad Pros. I have both a 10 and a half inch iPad Pro and a 12.9 inch iPad Pro. Both are Wi-Fi models, which I do regret not having at least one of those being LTE as that is a super handy thing, which I've always had on my iPads, but for some reason cheaped out on last time around. So this new fourth generation iPad Pro got announced and there's a lot to dig into here. So before we dive into all the great things with the fourth generation iPad Pro, I just want to share for those that don't know why I never did upgrade to the third generation iPad Pro, even though it was such a substantial form factor change to the iPad. So here were the downsides for me. It removed the headphone jack that I use weekly to record interviews into my Zoom H6 audio recorder. I rely on lightning microphone I'm using right now to capture the voiceovers. I think it captures the best audio with the littlest setup needed. And that's something I'll continue to use on my 10 and a half inch iPad Pro to record things like this. It removed the ability for me to use the Logitech charging base. And at my old day job, I would have two of these charging bases side by side at my desk and using a Bluetooth keyboard to talk to them. And this was a really great setup in having these just screens in front of you separated and charging ambiently through this base was just killer and something I really do love. And as we'll talk about in a little bit, this Magic Keyboard has returned a bit of this ability to the iPad with that keyboard, where you're able to charge inductively through that keyboard into your iPad without needing to plug something physically into your iPad. So that's something pretty cool that we'll talk about. Finally, the Smart Keyboard Folio seems to me, when I tested it, to be a much worse design for me from the original Smart Keyboard. It just did not seem as well thought out as what the original one was. And it was more expensive and, in my mind, less good, less great. So that's what kept me away from that third-generation iPad Pro. There was just a lot of things I would have to change about my workflow that would be disruptive and not all for the good. It had the good stuff about that new form factor, but a lot of bad about the things it took away. So it was all about what took away from me rather than added. And it turned out to be kind of a neutral swap when that was all considered. Not to mention the new elevated price point of what iPad Pros now are. So what's changed in the equation with the fourth generation iPad Pro? Well, in a single word, the Magic Keyboard, which is supported by the third generation iPad Pro, thankfully. So the Magic Keyboard is what changes the equation. It's this combination of the Magic Keyboard with this new form factor 
that makes this a really powerful combination that really elevates the iPad to a new form factor almost from what we've had in years past. So let's dive into it. So the Magic Keyboard, as I just mentioned, kind of doubles as a Logitech charging base. It includes a USB-C port on the keyboard itself where you can pass through power from that keyboard to your iPad. The Magic Keyboard will still work and operate without being plugged in. You don't need to charge the Magic Keyboard, but this is just a second USB-C port for your iPad Pro that allows you to charge it just like you could with the Logitech charging base. So that is a really cool thing that I will use a lot of. And it also reduces wear and tear on your physical iPad Pro's port, which is kind of nice. The other really nice thing about this placement, it's placed opposite from your iPad Pro. So unlike the MacBook Air, which you have two ports, but they're both on the same side. Now with the iPad Pro, you have a port on your left and right side. So whatever side you are closer to with the charger, you can plug it in on that side. Or if you're at a desk and you just leave your Magic Keyboard there, it can just always be plugged in and you just grab your iPad on and off it at will. And that's a really cool thing as well. And this also looks to be the best smart connector keyboard to date. It's backlit, it's got more key travel, and from everything I've seen, it looks to be just a much better experience from a typing perspective than we've ever had. And the other just amazing thing that just blew me away is the design of this keyboard. As they say, it floats. And I almost wanted Apple to use the line from Star Wars, they fly now, they float now. The iPad now floats. So in looking at this in live videos, there was one put out with Craig Federici, and there was an ad. In these live videos, it really does feel like this is incredibly well designed where this iPad is floating. It is basically an iMac fourth generation where you're tilting the screen, a little bit of the third generation G3 iMacs where you have more control over height and it's not wobbling around. It's very stable even in your lap and you're with one hand able to take it on and off. This is everything that I'd want in a smart connector keyboard. That flexibility of taking it on and off. The smart keyboard folio was a design that did not look as elegant as either the original or now what this is. And elevating the iPad screen is a huge win ergonomically, where the iPad is much closer to eye level, and this is just a big win and just really cool. So along with the keyboard is a built-in trackpad, which is another leap forward in the form factor of the iPad, where you no longer have to touch the screen. If you want to, you can just stay on the trackpad to do basic interactions, scrolling, basically anything you'd want to do interaction-wise. You may reach up to do certain things that are more complicated or would be faster with touch, but you don't need to anymore. And that's really awesome. And we'll dive more into the whole trackpad experience on iPad in a future episode. So I have downloaded the 13.4 GM and tried this out with a mouse. But in many ways, I kind of feel this was designed for the trackpad first. And I hope in iOS 14, iPad OS 14, that they look into people using the mouse and make improvements there. Because in many ways, assistive touch, the old method seems still much better for mouse users. But if you're on a trackpad, this is the way to use external pointing devices with the iPad. That trackpad, it looks great. There's gestures. And we're going to dive more into that in a future episode. For those that are not getting the Magic Keyboard, I would look into getting a Magic Trackpad 2. That is going to be 
the best device to use as an external trackpad with your iPad. It'll support all the gestures. It'll be a great experience. And for those on the older iPads or even those on newer iPads, like the fourth generation, it might be nice to have a bigger trackpad to use when you're away from your Magic Keyboard for whatever reason. If you're at a desk and want to hook it up to some other kind of setup where you're not having the Magic Keyboard as the keyboard you're using. And before we move on to the iPad itself, I just want to mention that trackpad support, mouse support is officially rolling out. It will have rolled out by the time this episode hit. It's scheduled to come out March 24th with the 13.4 update. And when you update, you will be able to hook up without assistive touch trackpads and mice to your iPad. And as I mentioned, we'll be diving deeper into that in a future episode as there's going to be a lot to kind of experience and learn the ins and outs of using that. So now let's dive into the iPad itself. This is what you get coming from the third generation iPad Pro, and it's a very modest upgrade. So you get six gigabytes of RAM in all fourth gen Pros, not only the one terabyte. This is up from four gigabytes, which was available in the second generation iPad Pro and most of the third generation iPad Pros. The camera is a big upgrade, and for me, it will be the best camera I own. Sadly, still no portrait mode on iPad, even though they should have the hardware for it. Hopefully night mode is included, but it's not quite as good as the iPhone 11. There is 10 megapixels instead of 12. So I'm not sure if light mode is actually included. Hopefully it is. And LiDAR sensor is in there. Nice to have, but I'm not sure how essential it is. The storage has been increased to 128 gigabytes at the low end rather than 64, which is a nice upgrade. It always felt a little cheap that Apple would sell a 64 gigabyte iPad Pro. And thankfully the one terabyte model retains its lower price point. Its price point was reduced a little bit halfway through its life cycle of the third generation iPad Pro. For those that held off to get the third generation and are now at the fourth, you now have a lower top end price point because of that. The processor upgrade seems to be mainly in the graphics part of it with it gaining another core. So instead of seven cores, it's now eight graphic cores. And the microphones are upgraded for what they call studio microphones. Five microphones are built in for much better FaceTiming and just audio recording in general. I'd still probably recommend an external microphone if you're doing podcasting or voice work in that regards. It's now got Wi-Fi 6, which is upgraded from AC to AX. And it's got faster LTE. Those are all the things you're getting from going from the third to the fourth generation of Pro. Those coming from the second generation iPad Pro or older, you get a big jump in capabilities. You get that new form factor, which, as you know, USB-C, Face ID, Apple Pencil 2, and everything else that made that third generation iPad Pro so great. I do wish they would add back gold to the color options, so I'll probably get the silver when I do upgrade. So let's start to wrap this up. And as I mentioned at the top of the segment, the third generation iPad Pro didn't capture me because of all the disruptions to my workflow and upgrading. And as I said, the Magic Keyboard has really changed the equation for me, and I'm so happy it supports the third-generation iPad Pro as well. So for me, the upgrade in both the keyboard and the new form factor of the iPad make for a really powerful combination that will actually change the iPad in meaningful ways that the iPad upgrade itself didn't manage to do. I'm also much less nervous about manufacturing issues that may happen with a new hardware design now that they've been making this hardware design for some time now. So my current plan is to hang on to my 10.5-inch iPad Pro, 
because I do generally love that form factor of the 10 and a half inch with, with the really slim bezels when you're holding it vertically. It's the old iPad style that I do have some nostalgia for. And that's the iPad I use more leisurely on the couch, handheld, things like that. But I am planning to roughly coincide with my birthday on June 5th to upgrade my 12.9 inch iPad Pro to the 12.9 inch fourth generation iPad Pro in silver with one terabyte of storage and LTE. The Magic Keyboard doesn't ship until May, so I will be waiting until that is available and getting the Apple Pencil 2 along with it. So that's my current plan. I'm very excited to finally get on to this new hardware design. And this Magic Keyboard has me just super excited to see how this will change how I get worked on the iPad. Having a trackpad and this elevated screen and the flexibility of what that keyboard will allow for is just really exciting. So I'm super jazzed about this. This is a big win by Apple and a real feat in engineering to get this keyboard out there. This really feels like what Apple wanted to have happen with that last third generation to have both of these things out there. This is the big change that I was looking for personally in the iPad. So with that said, if anyone is interested in purchasing my second generation iPad Pro, please let me know. It is a 512 gigabyte Wi-Fi model in gold. It would come with the complete set that includes the Apple Pencil, Smart Keyboard, and Apple's leather folio that holds the iPad along with the Apple Pencil. And that leather folio is something I think I'm really going to miss going forward that something not offered with the current generation. It's in nearly perfect condition. There are a few enclosure marks, but nothing too serious. You can email me at iPadProsPodcast at gmail.com with inquiries for that or any other feedback regarding Apple's announcements. You can also support the Patreon at patreon.com slash iPadPros to help fund this purchase. Every dollar is greatly appreciated. will be very helpful with this upgrade. Thank you to those that have already supported the podcast there. Your support really does mean a lot. With that, here's my interview with Ged, all about the Icon Factory's new app, Tot. Enjoy. Welcome back to the podcast, Ged. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I want to have you back to discuss your guys' new app, Tot. Can you kind of describe what this app's all about? It's meant to be a simple scratch pad app for both Mac and iOS. Something where you can just record down transient bits of text, reminders, to-dos, any bits of emails or messages that you want to keep track of, things that aren't important enough to merit a full file or a full entry maybe in the Notes app, Apple Notes app or Evernote or wherever. Things that you would put it normally on a sticky note, either on your physical desktop or on the Mac desktop. Yeah, because I'm one of those people that has probably thousands of Apple Notes apps, and a lot of them are things that would be better served by an app like Tot, where it's something I'm never going to go back to, and it's just random, maybe five lines of text. Yeah. I mean, I use the Notes app too, but I use that now for more permanent stuff, things that I'm going to use long-term, but I don't need to refer to immediately or right in the moment. I switched over to using Tot for just those bits of text that are things that I'm juggling at the moment. Yeah. No, where'd the name come from? Craig is really the Tot man. He should be here talking to you, but he's so busy right now. He sent me. So I think Craig's idea of Tot was just to try to communicate something small. Tot is, you know, a small child or a small thing. It's also, I guess, a tot of whiskey is one tater of the examples. Of, yeah, or tater tots are tiny. They're just little yeah. round, cute things or, you know, something that's just tiny and adorable. And that's the whole impetus behind the name. Okay. 
So something I'm curious about with iPad OS is multi window support. Is that something you guys talked about? Is that a feature that is going to be coming in future iterations? Uh, we did talk about it, and I I don't know if we're going to support it or not. It may come, but then you you run into problems of content on dots having to sync across instances of the window. You know, I don't know the the ramifications of something like that on iOS. So it it may be a lot trickier to implement than just saying, oh, it can support multi-window. So for now, it doesn't. I'm not saying it won't in the future. I'm not ruling anything out. It may, but it doesn't at the moment. It would be cool if it did, but... Yeah, so you have two tots next to each other. So there are a lot of note-taking apps out there. The differentiating piece is this is kind of transient text, and that's kind of the whole goal to make transient text. It feels a lot in many ways like text edit, where you have plain text and rich text. We're able to jump between the two, but with Todd, it's because it's Markdown based, it's more free flowing. Uh, that transition from what uh, text edit has on the Mac. Right. I mean, on Tot, you can con- convert text from one format to the other really, really quickly. And with its basic markdown support, those formatting changes are transferred from one to the other. So you don't lose them if you're working in markdown and, and or rich and vice versa. It doesn't support all versions of markdown. It supports the basic universal one. Craig has plans in the future, I think, to expand its markdown support beyond what it is now. But for now, it, you know, it supports the basic formatting, bold, italic, indentation, tab indents, stuff like that. And I think it works pretty well, you know, for what it is. It, it, it's, it's important to keep in mind, you know, what Todd is. It's a little app to help you do these things. And it's not meant as a full text editor or markdown editor, something like that. That's not what Todd is. So yeah. And basically with the formatting, it's what you see. And that formatting bar in Tot is what you're able to do within Markdown. So you see a little bold button, italic button, indention. You can do that there or with Markdown. Right. Exactly. So why seven text files? Why not five? Why not nine? <laughs> Where did you get the guys level on seven? Yeah, actually, Craig started with five. I wanted more than five. I was using the app as a to-do app, and I wanted one dot for every day of the week. I had him increase it from five to seven. Beyond seven, it starts to get beyond its scope. Things start to get out of hand. We want to be able to make it so that the UI is tappable and and stuff on the smallest iPhone. So if you had more than seven on the iPhone SE, one wouldn't be able to fit them on screen. You'd have to scroll dots. That just defeats the purpose of the app, you know, and then you start getting into, well, again, if I, if I can have to scroll dots, then I, why can't I have an infinite number of dots and so on and so on. So we limited it to seven and I think that was a good choice. It's more than five. So there's a little bit more flexibility there, but it's not like 10 or 15 or 20 or something like that. We've heard from users over and over again, and it's the truth where it's, Sometimes less is more. It constrains you and it forces you. If there's text in Todd that you don't need anymore, get rid of it. You know, just delete it, <laughs> you know, or save it out, archive it out, put it in notes, save it out as a text file or whatever. But get it out of Tot and don't have to deal with it anymore and leave those seven dots for what you're currently needing stuff for now. Yeah, and looking at the slide over interface of Tot, it looks like there's just the right amount of white space between the side of the window and having any more would just clutter that. Right. I am also an iPhone SE person and I want that to you look, are. look good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Hold on to that phone until they have a new small one. <laughs> there are more people out there who use SEs than not you think, you know? <laughs> so the seven notes in seven days a week, that's kind of an interesting 
concept with have you seen users use it for that purpose have a, a note today kind of thing and have their kind of weekly schedule updates based on what's on their tot that day yeah totally and you know if like the yellow dot is sunday and the orange dot is monday and they, they work that out through the week and it seems to work for some people like that which is pretty cool i've seen tot use for all kinds of things i have a friend of mine who's using it to track he runs a weekly D game and he uses one dot for all of his dungeon master stuff and then he uses another dot to track hit points and thoughts and brainstorm ideas for future adventures and you never know what people are going to use your tools to do it's one of the things i love about developing i love it with linea and i, and I love it with tot too yeah so with the idea of using this on multiple devices, did you guys play around with the idea of syncing which tot is currently open, or would that get complicated knowing which device is the primary one to tell the others what to do? That may come, actually. Craig just added the ability to sync the state of the whether a, a tot is in rich text or plain text. That wasn't in the initial 1.0 launch. He just added that. And also the app also syncs whether the status bar of the app for a particular dot is opened or closed. I think he may continue to improve that syncing as we go forward. I think one person was even impressed that the cursor position synced. You know, when you go to look at a dot on on your phone and then you look at that same dot on your Mac, the cursor is in the same spot you left it, which is kind of cool. Yeah, that's, that's very handy. And just nice that it knows knows where you're at with all that right Op- opening to the, the same dot would be an interesting idea i'll have to mention that too yeah the idea of color where did that come from and is there any rhyme or reason to the order of the colors and how you guys picked those i think craig initially picked them based on apple's you know old school apple logo hmm. but i mean we had to expand that because there were five and now there's seven so i took what he had initially done and just expanded it out and i wanted to make sure that the colors themselves were nowhere near each other to help with color blindness you know accessibility things like that i mean it's not idealistic for all forms of color blindness but because you have the color combined with the position of the dot in the interface i think it's pretty still pretty accessible you know i toyed around with different shapes for the dots themselves but we came back and circled on those circle dots that's what it ended up being. Plus, it was just cute. It fit with the name and the whole concept of the app. Yeah, the only thing I think of uh, for accessibility, as you mentioned, is uh, accessibility mode where it just turns into different shapes for each one or something. Right, and maybe a triangle for one, a hexagon for another, and, and yep, so on. Yeah, a star. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I also love that the colors indicate a couple things. You have completely empty colors in the navigation that are gray where you don't have any text, and you'll have like the outline if there's text in there and it'll be filled in if that's the one you're on. So there's a lot of information conveyed in the way that navigation bar was designed. It's deceptive, you know? You think it's just, oh, it's just a bunch of dots, but it's not. It really does convey a lot of information. The thing that's really neat is that Craig and I set it up so that the dots are themable. So at some point in the future, we'll be able to allow the user to go in and set their own colors for the app. So you can say, well, I don't want orange. I want fuchsia, you know, or something like that. And you yeah. go in and def- define the color for that dot. And then that color will sync across the platforms. And not only that, but it will also pick up in the dynamic dock icon on the Mac, which is pretty darn cool. That was all done on purpose and designed with theming in mind, too. Oh, very cool. And the whole idea with the free Mac app and the paid for iOS app is the idea for like Mac users get 
kind of hooked on it and then exactly i mean the whole idea behind it was that craig wanted it on the mac he coded it for use on the mac he really wanted to give it to the mac community he was pretty adamant about that you know he didn't want to really charge money for the mac app of Todd. But at the same time, of course, development went on longer than we thought. We put in more time and effort and cost into developing it. And then when we said, okay, people kept asking, we need an iOS version. I need an iOS version. We're like, yeah, we'd, we would like it too. So we went ahead and built it and that took longer and the cost of the development of the app increased. And so we were thinking, well, it'd be nice to recuperate some costs for the development of the app. And that way we just said, okay, we're going to keep the Mac free, but if you really want to use it on iOS, then you're going to have to pay for it. Not everyone will need it on iOS. And if you don't, then you can just continue to use Tot for free on the Mac. But if you like it and if it fills a need for you and you think it's valuable enough, then you can go and buy it on iOS. It's not a subscription. It's not a net purchase. It's just a one-time purchase. Then you've got it. It's different from most of them. You know, get a lot of people griping about the cost of it on iOS and the whole thing. And people are just not used to paying money for iOS apps anymore. No. They're just not. They're not. You know, and so a lot of people are upset about that, of course, but it is what it is. And, you know, I find it refreshing, actually, that, you know, the iOS users have to actually chip in and help pay for the app, opposed to the Mac side, which is usually the way it works. You know, Mac users are like, oh, I have to pay for this Mac app. But this time around, it's the tables are, are flipped. And I, I think it's a good change. Yeah. No, agreed. Yeah, Mac apps uh, traditionally are the... Hundred bucks for this this utility that on iOS is nearly free. Yeah. So I noticed with the keyboard shortcuts, there's actually two different methods of progressing or regressing to the previous tot. Did your beta users have strong feedback and you got two sets of people wanting two different ways of navigating tots with the keyboard or how did that kind of arrive? Well, to be honest, the keyboard equivalents aren't fixed. They're still in process. Their keyboard equivalents on iOS are not all working. So that's some place that we need to take a pass at and probably unify them and make sure that they are all working correctly. We have to do that as well as an accessibility pass for voiceover users as well. So there's still some things left to do there. And I know it's a little inconsistent as far as the keyboard goes. And we want to get better at that for time. Are there certain keyboard shortcuts you want to bring over that aren't even there today that are on the Mac? There's one, I think, where people are asking for, they want to be able to have a specific dot be invoked from the keyboard, like go to a specific one. Oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah. There's a universal one to bring up tot right now in the keyboard, but not to go to a specific note. Yeah. And I think people are, a lot of people are asking for that. I know Fairwrite has the whole custom keyboard shortcuts that you can implement. Yeah. Someone mentioned that app. I have to check that out. Something I noticed right away with Tot is the share sheet is not this generic thing you see in the top right, <laughs> like in many apps. It's this yep. custom arrow. And if you tap and hold on it, it does all sorts of other things. Yeah. Can you speak a little bit about sharing Tots and the importance of that? Yeah, a lot of people have asked about that. And I myself, there's things in, that I want in the share sheet that d- aren't implemented yet. And I think a lot of this has to do with that Craig wasn't sure how he wanted it to work at launch. He just, he wasn't sure like how the notes would be shared, you know, and so a lot of it was guesswork at the time. And now we have a lot of feedback, both from beta testers and, you know, customers who have bought the app. And we've been gathering all of that feedback and we're going to take probably another pass at the share extension 
that will be more standard, more unified for the app and allow you to share stuff more easily to messages and, and Skype and things like that. Because right now it shares a, a text file. It doesn't share the actual text snippets. In my mind, that's backwards to what it should do. Should being able to share a text file, it should still be there, but it shouldn't be the primary share focus in the app. So that's going to change, I think. And when you tap and hold on the little share icon, what do those different options provide you? Yeah, you can copy the entire current dot. You can clear the entire current dot, or you can replace the text of the current dot. Is that with what's in your clipboard? What's it replacing? Yeah, with what's in the clipboard. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, copy all, replace all, clear all. Granted, that's not too discoverable. A lot of people don't know that that's there. So we need to do a better job at that. Yeah, tapping and holding is a whole new kind of paradigm. So that's with iPad OS. More and more apps are starting to use that. Yeah, not entirely discoverable. Another thing you're able to tap and hold on are those little icons on the bottom for bullets, check mark, and the arrow. Yeah, those are great. Love those, man. That was Craig's brainchild to have the set of three customizable keys on the keyboard and you can tap and hold them. Then you can set them or choose from a wide range of symbols and things for your text, which is pretty darn cool. I love that part about Tot. Yeah. So in settings, you can choose which one of those you want to have as your permanent one down there. Right. If you use the same bullet, you know, or star or check mark or whatever over and over in your notes, you can set those quick keys to be whatever you want. And that's really helpful. And the font choice, you're able to pick different fonts in the settings as well. But uh, what is the default font that you guys ended up going with for Tot? I think it's a system font. Is it? Okay. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's a system font, but the other fonts that are available in Tot are only ones that are on your device or your Mac that have both bold and italic variants. In order for Tot to transfer its markdown correctly from rich text and back and forth, the font has to be able to be able to display in bold and italic. And not all fonts on iOS and macOS have bold and italic. You know, some people will go through and they'll choose a font and they'll be like, why isn't my favorite font shown in Tot? That's why. That the font doesn't have a bold or an italic variant. Yeah, I remember in the uh, dark days of installing fonts from Configuration Profile, I'd be installing just the bold font and an italic font separately. And Yeah. So I'd imagine if it's through the App Store and it does have bold and italic, those would show up because they're on your device, right? Should be, in theory, yep. So dragging in text or copying in rich text into Tot, how does it handle rich text and other fonts? Does it convert it to your default font that you have in there? What's the process? Yeah, I mean, you can only have one font set in Tot in the, in the rich mode and one in the plain mode. You can't set a font based on, on a per dot basis. So whatever you paste in it converts it to that if it's rich text. And if it's plain text, you know, it formats it accordingly or it will try to at least, you know, and it will try to respect the formatting you have for bold and italic whenever possible. And I think it does a pretty good job of that, but there's always bugs. So if anyone runs into bugs, be sure to let us know. Okay. And for checklists, is there a way to fill in a a box in any way or how does that work no there is not and um, that's one of the things a lot of people have asked for they want to have auto created checklists and auto bulleted lists too you make a single bullet item and then you hit return and it automatically indents and creates the next bullet in the list that's on the list to do that's on you know on craig's to-do list so we want that too are there any other things you can tap and hold any other like little easter eggs of things people might not 
have discovered yet? The thing that I like the most is the haptic feedback. I don't know if you've noticed that on iOS or not, but when you swipe from dot to dot, you get a little haptic tap to let you know that you've flipped from one page to another. But it's, what's fun is if you're at one end of the rows, like if you're on the yellow dot, and then you tap the green dot at the top, you'll feel a little oh nice underneath your fingers yeah. as as the app jumps through all the dots going all the way down the line a lot of people have mentioned that that they find that that's really just delightful and i i tend to agree i i thought that was a re- good addition when we added it it was just super fun it's just a little thing yeah you know it, it, but it, it it's the difference between you know an app that's just there and an app that's fun to use so you mentioned a lot of different ways people are using tot any other ways that you want to mention before we wrap it up? One of the things I use it for is technical support, which is kind of cool. I have a lot of references, bits of chunks of text that are common answers to common questions I get a lot on Twitter or via email for our products and things like that. I have a whole dot in TOT that's just things I can select and copy and then send back to people on Twitter, things like that. The app does count characters and words and lines of text, so you can use it to compose tweets. Even then, you know, if you want to compose a tweet or a series of tweets in TOT, you can do that, and you'll know exactly how many characters you're using, which is kind of cool. And tapping, holding the share icon, you can just copy it all without even needing to yeah, do anything special. Yeah, which is kind of cool. So a lot of people are using it for coding and code-based stuff. I I don't have experience with that, but I know that you can do that. Some people have asked really wanted Todd to do more of that kind of thing, like support code blocks and things, but I don't think Craig wants to go there. And there is dark mode and light mode and all that. Yeah, oh yeah. And I worked really hard on the themes for Tot. I I spent weeks designing the colors and in both light and dark to make sure they were readable in, you know, all these different conditions and make sure that the link colors and the background colors and even the keyboard colors, because the keyboard takes on the tint of the dot that you're in. There's the vibrancy, iOS vibrancy down there in the keyboard. You can turn it off if you don't like it. You know, some people don't want to have colored sticky notes in their app so you can turn it off but for those who leave it on i think that the app does a really good job of presenting you with a series of themed colors for every dot in both light and dark modes and to keep things really clear hierarchy of information there paid a lot of attention to that as we were working on the app and i think it paid off yeah the dark theming of color is really impressive because you would think it's like oh it's gonna be black but it's not it's it's just like it's close to black it's it's darkish versions of everything even yellow (laughs) yeah it's very subtle you know and especially in the dark mode it's very subtle but it does take on the tint of the dot and it, it makes it look neat it's just the whole thing is very unified and i think that's one of the reasons why people like it so much and then you're able to change the text and layout to be like a wider more narrow layout what does that actually do with the how Bar, it spreads the text. There is an, a full screen mode. You know, on the Mac, you can make it full screen mode. It's not particularly great. At some point, we want to introduce text margins for the dots. If you're running full screen on the Mac, you don't have really wide lines or wide blocks of text, things like that. Um, we wouldn't do that in the initial 1.0 release, but I know that Craig has plans for that too. That's something that's on the radar. It's different when you use the app on the iPad. Versus using it on the iPhone, obviously, you know, the text flows the entire width. But on the iPad, I generally use it in 
side by side mode. I don't just use Tot by itself. Yeah. You know, I'll have an email up or a web page up or Twitter up and then Tot on the other side. So it seems to work well like that. Yeah. It's a good companion app for sure. Total companion app. Yeah. Is there any other little settings or things we didn't talk about yet before we wrap it up? I don't think so. I covered all the bases. There's not a lot to it. You know, it is a small app. So it is what it is. For those who love it and need it, it it's great. Yeah, it's a simple app and I, I do enjoy its simplicity. Of It's allowed me to have my notes app not be so cluttered as it, it once was. Right. That's the beauty of it. It really is supposed to declutter your text life. You know, and I, I people keep saying, well, why not just use Apple Notes? Well, one, Notes has all this Chrome on the desktop that I hate. You have to select a note and you have to formatting and then you have to select a destination, iCloud or, you know, what, you know, all these things to keep track of your notes. I couldn't use it for a simple to do app on the desktop. And I wanted something to replace that. I've been using stickies for years. And then Craig came along and was like, well, I have this app that I've been working on. I think you should try it instead of stickies. And once we got the UI down really far, far down to just the minimal stuff on the Mac desktop, then I started using it full time. And now it's totally indispensable. I can't imagine not using it. Yeah, it's, it's a wonderful little app. So yeah, thank you so much for your time sharing more about Tot. It's been great learning learning about this. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Where can people find more information about Tot and your guys' other apps? Yeah, the official app for Tot is is pretty funny. Uh, it's T-O-T dot rocks, R-O-C-K-S. <laughs> That's the URL for the app on the web. And then, of course, it's available on both the Mac OS and iOS app stores. Or you can go to iconfactory.com and Tot is listed there along with our other apps, including Twitterific, Linea Sketch, Xscope and a bunch of others. So it's all there. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much again. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks again. So that's my interview with Ged all about Tot. Once again, go to tot.rocks for more information about this application. Thanks to Ged for his time recording it. And thanks to you for your time tuning in. As mentioned at the top of this episode, you can send your feedback to me at iPadProsPodcast at gmail.com. The Patreon will help fund this iPad Pro upgrade that I'm hoping to do here in a couple months. You can do that over at patreon.com slash iPadPros. And if you have not yet left a review for this podcast, head over to Apple Podcasts to leave a review. Every review is greatly appreciated and very helpful in helping others discover this show. With that, thank you for tuning in, and I'll talk to everyone again real soon.